thread, a singular thought expanded upon. Thread is the podcast of the Emerge Network. For more information, log on to EmergeNetwork.org. Welcome back to Thread, episode 11. Sorry to be a day or so late on getting this broadcast up, this podcast, but Sherry and I were in Cape Town, South Africa at a wonderful school called Media Village doing some training there and some mentoring, so had to travel back before I could get my mind organized again. But this is um, this episode is about how that God has set up some laws and structure, and uh, you can't read Scripture without noticing that there are some do's and don'ts, and there are some ways that God wants to see things approached, uh, done, and manners in which he wants them approached. And it's kind of like, what's the spirit of those rules? You know, some people have taken them as a really heavy, rigid thing. Other people act like there's no rules. So, you know, what's what's the balance on that? What did Jesus say? about the law. So we'll be right back. Uh, Get your Bible and open it to Mark chapter 2 verse 23 and we'll be right back. All right, ready to dive into this. Mark chapter 2 verse 23 through 28 we're going to call this episode lord of the sabbath Uh, now this passage comes right after the passage uh, where john the baptist and and some others have been offended at the lifestyle of jesus they're expecting a much more conservative approach to the subject of personal liberty and that you know yeah there's jesus and he is um, enjoying fellowship with people lots of parties if it was a wedding or, you know, something social, he was someone that would show up at those. And a lot of religious leaders felt it was, you know, it was wrong to laugh and cut up with the nation, uh, sinful and God's judgment coming, that you should just stay kind of in a mournful posture. And Jesus didn't. And furthermore, he drank alcohol. And a lot of Christians thought you shouldn't, you know, you shouldn't do that today. And even back then, there was some judgment uh, on that lifestyle. So Jesus drank wine, made wine, his just, there were things about him as Messiah that, you know, the most earnest, sincere, serious-minded religious people, they just kind of thought, well, man, you know, we're working really hard to keep our life all sober and, uh, you know, strict, and you appear to be enjoying your life quite a bit, uh, even while you do your ministry, but we also see that there's another side of you, and you are, you're relaxing, you're enjoying fellowship with people, so they struggle over that. And Jesus talks about the old wineskin and the new wineskin that, you know, there's a you can't take the old ways and just pull them into the new. And so now right after that, it says verse 23. Now it happened as he was going through the grain fields on the Sabbath day, his disciples began to pluck off heads of grain. And the Pharisees said to him, hey, look, look, you know, why do they do what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And they're referring to the prohibition on work. Now, the question is, how do you define work? Because the disciples were not going out in the field with wagons harvesting wheat. That wasn't what they were doing. They were hungry, and they were on a walk, and they were just grabbing, you know, whatever fruit was hanging low around them. They were just grabbing it and eating while they talked. And 
that's not necessarily a point covered in the law. That was the Pharisees' interpretation of the law. But anyway, Jesus doesn't even argue the point. He just goes straight to scriptures. He says, okay, you want to argue about scriptures? Have you never read what David did? Now, he's like the father of our nation, you know, biggest and best king we ever had. What David did, father, who's going to be the father of the Messiah one day, when he was, and underline these words, in need. David was in need, and he was hungry. He and those who were with him. So there was a real human need. Did you read? He went into the house of God, verse 26, and this was done when Abiathar was high priest. He ate the showbread, which is not lawful for him to eat it. Only the priests. And he also gave some to the others who were with him. And um, then he turns and he says to them, verse 27, get the point. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Now, this is a huge point that needs to be well understood if we're going to be able to uh, properly grasp the laws of God, because God does have laws. You know, there are the Ten Commandments. He did prohibit working seven days a week. And, you know, there are some very um, clear instructions in Scripture about how to live. Now, the point is to understand the point. The point of the law is to bless man, to bless man with rest and health, because the things that God uh, says you must not do are things that will hurt you in the end. They will hurt your marriage. They will hurt your reputation. They'll hurt your body. They'll hurt your walk with God. They will hurt your society. So God outlaws them. But understand, the point is not the law. The point is man. Man has needs, as in verse 25. Man has needs. Man gets hungry. The law is designed as a structure to minister to man. The Sabbath rest is a God-created thing for man's benefit. Now, they've turned it into a slavery as though the Sabbath was created as a litmus test so God could test just how sincere your love for him was, and he was watching over you all day on the Sabbath to see if you would do one thing to please yourself or if you were totally you know, devoted to him. And Jesus says, you've got it backwards. God made the Sabbath out of love for man. The point of law keeping is to bring structure and guide to benefit mankind. And, you know, that's pretty important because, you know, sometimes as a young believer and someone who is very sincere about wanting to honor the Lord with all their heart and soul and mind, you know, sometimes uh, you can develop, I know I did, uh, a hyperactive conscience. And you're trying to, you know, not do anything bad. And then the list of bad just keeps growing because, you know, in truth, sin has invaded everything we've got down here on earth. And so you start to agonize over every uh, every little luxury. You know, should I have this when there are poor people that don't have it? Should I eat so well when others are hungry? And it just goes on and on, you know. Can I, can I have someone to be my servant, you know, or, or, or is that wrong? And so you just run into all these things. How nice of clothes can I have? And I remember this book when I was a young Christian called Rich Christians in an Age of Hunger. And it was just like guilt-mongering. 
you know, that we ought to all be, you know, basically trying to live on a third world level because the third world has to. And then we can uh, push all of our money over there. And again, there's a point to be made by all this. But the, the whole thing is, if your law keeping becomes this heavy yoke that lays on your spirit and burdens you down with worry that you are uh, offending God at every turn, you've got sick religion. And these men had sick religion. Um, Jesus understood the law. He gave us the law. And as you notice, he does not have a hyperactive conscience himself. He does not agonize pedantically over every little thing. He understands all the rules, all the structure that has been instituted by God. Those things are there to address human need. They are medicine. They are designed to soothe us and heal our woundedness. But they must not become a wound and a burden and even worse in the case of these guys, you shouldn't use the law of God as a way to wound other people. And that's what they were doing. They were wielding the law like a weapon and just chopping at people with it. You know, when I was a kid, I had um, all of my uh, aunts and uncles were in the Lord. And it was it was a beautiful family to grow up in because my grandma and grandpa both got saved on the same day and all their children followed the Lord and we just had such blessing in our family. and uh, But the oldest sister in the family didn't go to church. And that was such a puzzle to me. Because you could see that the whole family looked up to her. She was a loving person. Or so was her husband. and uh, But they were not involved in church. And so they were, you know, they're kind of seen as the sinners in the family. But also, they were so good. And everybody loved it. But they were, so the family was really burdened, you know at uh, them not being involved in church. But it wasn't an accident that they weren't in church. You trace it back till she was a teenager and attending, our family did, a holiness church, a very sincere effort to please the Lord. But in deciding to be holiness people, it pleased some people in the group, the men, to start making a list of what things lead us to sin and what things would be... uh, um, underlined as sins in the group. So, you know, eventually on that list will always come things related to women's makeup, to their clothing, and to jewelry. And then you can add a whole bunch of other things we're not supposed to be involved in. And uh, this this aunt had graduated high school, which was an accomplishment in those days. And she had, you know, worked hard, graduated. And as she graduated, they had the class ring, and she had decided to buy one. And so she bought the class ring, excited to be a part of her graduating class. She put it on her hand, began to wear it around, and was um, castigated in church by this brother who was using the law as a weapon. And so he hauls her up, and they have this trial of sorts and decide that she is disfellowshipped for you know such a stupid little reason. And so now with a wounded heart, she's been rejected by what's supposed to be the people of God and the family of God, and so she withdraws. And this has played out all over the world, and so it has been since there has been religion. And so Jesus is, um, you know, he's addressing this legalistic spirit that gets into the high-minded in the group who want to control others. And so first he lays down the principle, you know, the law is not something to be a slave to, The law was made for man. Now we go down to chapter 3, and he enters a synagogue, and there's a man there who has a withered hand. 
And these guys are now watching Jesus closely, verse 2, to see if he would heal the man on the Sabbath so they could accuse him. And, you know, in margin of my Bible, I just wrote what legalism does to wonder and to mercy. It's just horrible. These guys are, they don't see this man. They don't care about this man. They have no interest in ministering to this man. They're watching for a, a law that's being broken. Jesus is healing on the Sabbath, which equals work. And so now he's working on the Sabbath. So verse three, Jesus says to the man, step forward. You know, he stops church service and he says, step forward. The guy stands up and now the tension in the room, you feel it go up. Jesus says not to the man, but to them, forcing them to reason theologically. Is it lawful since you're so concerned about the law? This is not the question they're pondering. They're pondering, will you break the law by healing? He says, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do a good thing or to do an evil thing? Is it lawful on the Sabbath to save a life or to kill it? And they kept silent, the scripture says, you know, in their stubborn pride, they just locked down. And it says, he looked around at them with anger. And it's one of the few times in the New Testament that it says Jesus was furious with someone. And he's just staring in their face, just boiling with anger. Verse 5, being grieved by the hardness of their hearts. And he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And as he stretched it, his hand was restored as whole as the other. And the Pharisees went out immediately, not praising God for healing this poor man, but plotting with the Herodians against Jesus how they might destroy him. Look at what a dark evil can find its home in the heart of the religious. Religious people are dangerous people because they misunderstand the nature of the law. Um, so let's don't be like that. You know, lighten up and lighten up on other people. We're not the inspectors of other people's lives. There are times that you have to judge a life simply because you have to decide whether to get involved in that person or whether to endorse what they're doing or to try to back off from it. But by and large, we've got enough work keeping our own life straight before God. But he wants you to live before him, not with a burden, not, you know, you didn't do your devotions today and you just feel crushed and guilty. Uh, that's not what devotions are for. That's not what the whole spirit of the spiritual disciplines is all about. God has come to give you life and to give me life and give us abundant life. So let's drink deep from the waters of grace and live a light spirit and thank God for the structure that he's given us in the church and in marriage and in the word of God to guide our steps. And don't forget to check us out online, emergenetwork.org, where you'll find many helpful uh, resources there to keep you developed in your spirituality, in your leadership ability, and your communication skills. You can also visit me on my own personal blog site, quinley.com, Q-U-I-N-L-E-Y.com. And that's a site just about personal life management. It's about mastering the things that matter in life. So uh, check us out. Leave some comments. Let's get a conversation going. Thread, a singular thought expanded upon Thread is the podcast of the Emerge Network. For more information, log on to EmergeNetwork.org.